0: Dave Wonstead hanging out with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Great to talk to Coach Wonstead And he's on The Score hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. So, Dave, I, I just had to ask you about what you saw from Mahomes in that game. And, you know, we had gone into the playoffs with this idea that guy had never won on the road, and now he's won a couple games on the road. And it's not just that he can win on the road. It's the composure that he shows. You know, you you talk about a nine-minute drive in the first half where they march down the field, and they don't make mistakes, and they don't make errors, and they don't. And then you get later in the game. And there's two straight snaps that are on the ground, and he just picks them up and he throws a pass. And he's not overwhelmed by calls going wrong around him or the ball on the ground. He's just this composed figure. And we've heard people say the most composed quarterback since Tom Brady. And that's Brady had, he just knew how to win, he knew what the formula was, and he never. Uh, Panicked over anything. No excuses. And and that's what we saw from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, And I know he's got a great tight end, and I thought the guy played the game of his life, but good God, is that guy what a great player.
1: Absolutely. And you know what, Molly? I said it yesterday. I did a, a story on the 33rd team, actually, right after the game. And I said, fellas, and you just said it, Molly. I said, you know who this guy reminds me of? And and I was at the Dolphins when when Brady started his career. I, I competed against him uh, all, a lot, and I said this guy reminds me of Tom Brady. And from the standpoint that I remember the when they were playing, New England was playing Seattle in a Super Bowl in Arizona. I was working that game for Fox, and Brady completed seven passes in a row. They were Seattle was playing a real soft coverage. And he completed seven passes in a row that were four yards or less, and I remember thinking to myself, "God, that guy—he gets the big picture, and that's what Mahomes does." And I and 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 I want to set it up by saying this: the, the, nobody in the NFL right now does a better job of making adjustments than Andy Reid. And Spagnola, their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. I got to give him just as much love as the offense on this, guys. We got to remember, uh, Baltimore at home was averaging what, 36 points a game or something. I mean, they uh, they they played fant when they played the week before that. And I'm I'm jumping ahead to make a point here. They're playing uh, Buffalo in Buffalo, and Josh Allen's having a big half. They run the ball for about 150. Allen has about 70 yards rushing or 60. And they come out the second half and they completely changed the the defensive game plan. And they shut them down the second half. Well, they came into this. My point is, offensively, how did Kansas City win the Super Bowl last year? They come out at halftime and Andy has said, enough of this passing. Pacheco, you're our guy. And they start pumping the ball to Pacheco. Philadelphia was not ready for it. Philadelphia physically was not mentally up for the run game. They had a 10-point lead. They thought it would be easy. And Kansas City wins the game. My point is, that's two examples of what this staff does at Kansas City. Now, you can make all the adjustments you want as a coach, but if you don't have players that can execute it and understand it, it means nothing, guys. And Tom Brady, I'm sure him and Andy sat down, and Andy said, listen, you know, we're going to be conservative to start this thing off. We're going to throw, you know, two-yard passes, little screens to Kelsey, and we're going to throw screens to the back. And let's get the te- – what does Mahomes do? He doesn't force anything. And then if the game's going on, Andy and him, I can just hear the conversation. Hey, we got this game in hand. I don't know. You know, they're, they're all over the place over there. Patrick, we just can't turn the ball over. Let's be smart. Okay, make good decisions. We're going to win this game. You got it, Coach. I I understand. And that, that was Tom Brady. that That's what he did. Big picture knowledge of the game of football. Offense, defense, special teams, on the road, at home. How's the other team doing? Can they score and catch? It's, uh, it, it, you're right on point, Molly, David. I mean, you know, the points you're saying, uh, th- this kid really, really gets it. The big picture.
2: The ultimate game manager, if you will. So –
1: <laughs> you, I love it, game manager. You, Don't say that, Dave. I know, oh.
2: I know. You, speaking of Brock Purdy, it. Dave, speaking <laughs> of Brock Purdy, the challenge is great again. He, for the third week in a row, is going to face a defense that's going to you know, make him make plays. I thought Steve Spagnuolo, it's a great point by you, he was the unsung hero of the weekend. I wonder what he has in store for the 49ers. All those weapons and the young quarterback that I think has started slow in these playoffs – but finish strong. How equipped do you think Purdy is for this challenge now? And what do you think about the way he's played so far?
1: Oh, I think he's going to see something different. Uh, this Kansas city defense is really, I'm, I'm just all in with these guys. Uh, i think it's going to be difficult. I think they got the personnel to match up with them okay that's the biggest thing. Do you have guys that can halfway cover and tackle McCaffrey and cover Devo i believe they do. I believe they do uh and 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 just what I said, David, whatever they come out with San Francisco, Spagnuolo is going to make adjustments, and this team can make adjustments on the run, offense and defense and uh and, and find ways to win. You know, let me just say this about Purdy. Everybody wants to say, oh, he's got great players. Go back to Dallas. You want to say that about Troy Aikman? We had Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin. I mean, go back farther with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm using some of the guys that, you know, Terry Bradshaw had Lynn Swan and Franco Harris. I mean, every Super Bowl team, let's be real. If a quarterback is playing good, he's got good people surrounding him. So, I I, uh, I don't buy into that. And what Purdy did the last two weeks is what I've been saying in Chicago. What have I said for two years? How do you separate quarterbacks? Your team's down by ten in the fourth quarter with you know less you know ten minutes to go. Can he take you down the field and score
0: twice and win the game? This kid has done it. Um, it, it's fascinating to me because I think when we look at these two teams in the Super Bowl we say, all right, you know, if you've got the first pick in the draft, do you want to take a quarterback and hope he's Mahomes and hope he's composed and hope that he's going to lead you consistently to the playoffs? Or do you look at it and say, wow, you know, you need a system where a quarterback can operate in in it, be it um, whomever, and you've got all these all pros all over the place, and he's just got to distribute the ball, and you're going to be able to run after the catch, and you're going to be able to do great things with the game. It's, it's almost like two types of quarterback, a first-round guy in Mahomes, a great player, versus a guy that was the last pick in a draft but fits a system. Which is the answer? Who, who, who makes you better? I think there's
1: I think there's you gotta have overlap to to be where these teams are at. And my point is, sure, you can say Purdy gets the ball, but he's getting he's making good decisions, Molly. He's getting the ball to the right guy. And what was he, ten of fifteen at one time? He made three third down throws that Patrick Mahomes would, would make. Okay? I mean, you know, they were accurate throws they were covered and he put the ball where it was supposed to be. So, is he a game manager? But he also makes plays when he has to make plays. And then on the other side, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's the magic man. He can do whatever. But when the game is in hand, as it was, he can pull the reins in and go to the game manager. So, you know, I, I, I'm probably not answering your question, but I think you got to, you know, you can have one or the other and you'll probably be okay. You'll probably be okay. But to go to the Super Bowl, if it's a game manager, he's got to be able to step up and make plays when the time calls for it. And when, if it's a playmaker, he's got to understand when is it time to be a game manager. So I, I think, you know, you've got to be able to – if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you've got to have a guy who can do both. I really, truly believe that.
2: So the Bears continued their quest to look for that guy, and they hired a quarterback's coach, Kerry Joseph, Yeah, they got Eric Washington to be the defensive coordinator. We've talked about Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. But, Dave, I want to ask you about how important the quarterback's coach really is. We tend to talk a lot about who that guy is going to be and what he's going to have to work with. If you have the right quarterback, how much does he need coached, and how important is that position coach to the Bears in this offseason where they may be dealing with the rookie or they may be trying to – unlock something in Justin Fields.
1: Oh, it's very important, you know, cuz he's the guy, the offensive coordinator for for depending on how it's structured, generally he's talking to the wide receivers and he's talking to the backs and he's talking to the line about the protections and the quarterback. It's it's a big picture guy and your quarterback coach is the guy that when it's over or something happens, you're pulling aside, you're closing the door. It's a one-on-one conversation, and he's really the guy that probably gets closer to him than anyone. Uh, when things are good or things are bad, he's the guy that's kind of the the stabilizing force with the quarterback. So I, I think that's uh, I think it's very important, whichever way the Bears go, you know, I, I really believe that. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be important. He's going to have a He'll have a big job, if it's Fields or if it's Caleb Williams.
0: We'll obviously talk about uh, the, your Super Bowl pick next week. I'm just wondering if you have a lean at this point. And,
1: well, who do you think? Well, From what I, I, I mean said right now, yeah. who would you – I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not. Oh, I, I'll say
0: – I would say that Mahomes getting points for the third straight game is hard to overlook.
2: You're picking the Chiefs because you love the defense, and you're picking the Chiefs, Dave.
1: All right, I got to go, guys. Good talk <laughs> to <with> you. <laughs> oh, it's so good.
0: It's so good. We got time.
1: We got time. I mean, we'll, let me think about it this week. We'll see what happens. We'll talk. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got plenty of time. Um, all right, so so here we are, and the the uh, senior ball begins. And, Dave, obviously everyone's down at the senior ball. You don't get all the players that are going to be drafted, but you get a lot of information about – Different players and guys that uh, that are, are definitely going to be within the draft. It might not. I mean, whatever. I think thirty six percent of the of the uh, uh, of the draft consists of of senior ball players. That's a very high number. Usually, get a lot of guys drafted out of that game. We know uh, the Bears were down there, and Luke Getze found their backup quarterback in in Tyson Baygent. Um What do you look for? at the senior bowl I, this is just really the beginning in earnest of all these bowl games and all these looks at, at players, players et etc what is the value of it
1: well the, the, the best thing that it separates the senior bowls from a lot of them is besides the talent is that nfl coaches structure the practices to see what they want to see in other words it's going to be a lot less of the teamwork and it's going to be a more individual A receiver going against the defensive back running backs going against the linebackers, offensive line going against defensive line. So you're going to get a close up view of these kids, you know, number one, their ability level. Number two, you know, the intangibles, how they compete against good talent. Some of these kids are coming from schools. They're very talented, but they've never lined up and they've gone against the guy from Michigan or Alabama. So, you know, how, how are they going to be able to, to handle that mentally? Uh, So all those things, and it's changed a little bit guys from the standpoint, back in the day, uh, we used to get on there and it was just practices. It was more, now they have interviews down there and, and they're, it's almost less practice and as much one-on-one time with coaches and, and players, so you're getting to you know in addition to the combine where you have the chance to meet with them one on one you're really getting another face to face with a player that uh uh that you might have some questions about so it's 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 good for a lot of a lot of different ways it it truly is it's a it's a good jump start it's a good for all the coaches getting together you know I don't know how many of them still go, but guys get down here we would talk i mean I remember sitting at a bar down here for a long time with with another defensive coach, and we were talking strategy till 2 in the morning. So, you know, I always used it for a way like that to to try to better yourself uh, from a a football standpoint, too.
2: Dave, I want to ask you about the Lions again because I wonder how much long-term damage a loss like this can have on a franchise, especially one that could be losing its offensive coordinator. Ben Johnson, interviewing with the commanders, is a candidate in Seattle as well. And we know how well, good of a, how well he he called plays over the last couple seasons. Dan Campbell talked like he told his team that it might never be here again because every season is different. And the way they lost in the franchise that does seem a little bit like they're maybe cursed in some ways. How do you stop that as a coach from being more than just the end of the season loss, one that just is yes painful, but you can use it as maybe. A platform to to improve next year. How do you stop that from being as catastrophic as it seems?
1: It's 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 very difficult. Now, Dan Campbell's right. Every year is new uh, from the standpoint of the team. Your team chemistry is new. It's never going to pick up just where left off. So because you're going to have new players, whether it be draft picks. I mean, look at all the draft picks that contributed to this team getting where they're at. I mean, nobody did a better job with the draft picks than than Detroit. Uh, The only way you get this out of your gut is you got to go further than, which is obviously the Super Bowl. Otherwise, this game is going to haunt Dan Campbell and those players and that organization for maybe ever if they don't get back there. I mean, because they know that they, they had the lead and they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. The only way to get that feeling out of your gut, and I've been there on both sides of it, is to capture it, you know, and uh, and go further. Um, you know, we, we lost to Penn State my first time of doing this in the national championship game, and uh, you know it, we it, it it was miserable. We lost Vinnie Testaverde, and we lost like seven first round right dra- one seven. We lost a ton of first round picks. Jerome Brown and Vinnie Testaverdi and Benny Blades, and uh, we weren't we were a young team coming back and somehow some way we find a way to win the national championship the next year and that devastating loss became a memory uh, without that we'd still be living with it so that's the only way i know is to get rid of it david is to to go further and and accomplish it the next time and that's going to be tough that is going to be difficult but uh, yeah
0: i got yeah go ahead. I, i'll leave, i'll
1: leave you guys and our listeners i'd be curious what they would think about this? Does Baltimore's loss does that hurt Justin Fields or help him?
2: It's a good question, Dave. Because if you want to take away the Lamar Jackson, or you want to, you're looking at the the, the stylistic and with a running
1: quarterback yep, and all those yep, things. Yep, yep, I, yep, exactly. I, I I I think they're very similar. I, you know, look different, but I well, does does that performance in a big game getting to the Super Bowl, Lamar not getting there, but putting up all the numbers and being a great player, being the MVP, but not being able to finish and get to the Super Bowl, does that performance by him, does that have any bearing? When you evaluate Justin Fields, and I'm not doing it. I'm throwing it out there to the, the listeners and everybody. Does that, does that change a perception? Well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we need a different style. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there, you know? If
2: you're looking for a reason to defend your argument, you can find one there. I don't think you need that, but if you are looking for one, that is an example of the ceiling that maybe a team with the running quarterback finds itself lower than you would want it.
1: Yep. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, it's just a thought. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I was... I was just after the game. I was thinking of that and said, now, do, do they factor that in or not? I don't know. I'm not making that decision, but it's definitely something you gotta, you got to think about.
0: Great stuff, Dave. Always appreciate your perspective, and you always teach us stuff, and that's a good question. Thank Thanks, you, Coach. Buddy. Okay, guys. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. That is Coach Wanstead. That's an interesting idea.
2: If, you can, if you're looking for a reason, you can find one there. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to do that. And I'll explain why
0: when we come back. Mully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio 6'7 the score.
1: Does Baltimore's loss does that hurt Justin Fields or help him?
0: Mully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Uh, My impulse in answering that question, David, would be that it hurts him. Okay. That's just my impulse. That's a fair answer. I I appreciate you being honest about it
2: because impulsively that is the way you want to say yes or no.
0: Well, yeah, I'm just saying. If we think it through and talk it through, maybe I change my mind. This is
2: why I'm thinking it through and talking it through and saying that I'm resisting that urge because for two reasons. Number one. The Ravens called a terrible game. Awful. And, and they nearly won. I would not want to. And they converted. Right. But I would not want to hold or form my opinion about another player in another town and another team based on the incompetence of the offensive coordinator to grasp the obvious in a big game. The, they had two designed runs. They did not right. use the running game to set up the passing game. They had too many dropbacks for Lamar Jackson. So if you have a quarterback of, of his skill set, I don't think they, for whatever reason, they remembered how to utilize that in the biggest moment of the season. So I wouldn't want to apply that to my opinion on somebody else. So that's the first reason. The other one would be trying to stay consistent. I said going in, there really isn't a comp between Lamar Jackson, former MVP, and Justin Fields just because they have similar skill sets. So avoid maybe you know if they go to the super bowl avoid trying to use that logic to say the bears can do that too because there's so many differences so if i'm not going to say that applies when things would go well i don't want to use it by, with the same idea because things didn't
0: that's fair i i think my problem with it is that there were two quarterbacks under the most scrutiny going into this weekend and they were uh, they were Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson by a mile. Lamar has been phenomenal. I think what happened was that when the Chiefs were able to hold the ball for nine minutes and score and keep the game and take a lead, I think there was a loss of composure within the Ravens. I think the Ravens have beaten every team and beaten them so well and generally went into that game – feeling like the best team in the league and the most balanced team. And all of a sudden, things are going the wrong way. And they they got into a mode where they lost their identity. They also were incredibly undisciplined in the way they were operating and the dumb penalties they picked. That's coaching. right? And I think that their coaching, they, they were outcoached on the day by a mile, sadly. And then when you lost composure within your playing, within your players, within your roster, you know, the, the idea that Zay Flowers um, is wide open and catches a touchdown and they tie the game. You thought, wow, they're going to be able to do that. They're going to be able to to uh, go down the field and and Lamar is going to be able to score quickly and all that. And it just didn't happen. And then when they had to drive two touchdowns, they you know, they get this they get this unbelievable gift of a play down the field, and then he gets called for a penalty, they come back fifteen yards, and he eventually fumbles into the end zone. Yep. And David, that that's just that was just a killer play. The the loss of the ball, the loss of the points on that drive, that was unbelievable, and then you come down again and you throw a pick? Into it, he threw that into triple coverage, and a lot of people complain. Well, that was pi. It was pi. No, the, the guy uh, caught the ball, ball ahead of every. Yeah. It was it was just a terrible decision. It was a
2: bad decision born of frustration that yes. he en- en- endured the entire day. Exactly. So right. I, I think that it was just not his day. So I would not want to right make that connection. The only way that I think again you could have probably made some sort of parallel or or or, or comparison would be if the ravens got to the super bowl you yep. could use that as the impetus for an argument to say see you can do that in chicago if you surround a quarterback with other weapons and everything else that that lamar jackson has had things that justin fields have not has not
0: and and i don't compare those two players i don't see them i think that that the ravens are able to to do a lot more in the passing game than the bears are i think that justin field played well when he came back from his injury uh, toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how much I, I would want to build off that. I'm not sure how good the opponents were in those games. I, I think we may convince ourselves uh, they had a very easy schedule and they lost 10 games. And they whenever they played a good team, their best win of the year by a mile yeah. was the Lions, it- and they had lost to the Lions a couple weeks before when they should have won that game. So until you're winning with consistency and until you're able to to stack wins by having the quarterback perform well late in the game, I'm going to feel like, you know, I'm getting the wrong message on this stuff.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. And Justin Fields, you know, we will and everyone is comparing him to Caleb Williams, but I don't know that it's always going to come down to that. Two things can be true. that Caleb Williams is, is the guy that you want to draft in this year's draft. And Justin Fields can be a starting quarterback somewhere in the league next year. Right. So you're not comparing Caleb Williams to Justin Fields as much as you're comparing him to other number one overall draft picks at the quarterback position and why this is one of those guys that you have to take. It's not Blake Bortles. It's not Kenny Pickett. It's not the first quarterback taken – uh in in a draft it's the number 1 overall pick in the draft and you see what is the, what is the mantra you go into every draft following best player available
0: yeah and and i i got to tell you i think that maybe maybe they'll come up with a different interpretation you know this process is just beginning and it takes a while and and who knows maybe they come to a conclusion that there's a different quarterback they should take at number one overall. I, I'm not, I I don't understand it if that happens. But I'm just saying, things get nutty around a draft. And if uh, if indeed they decide that someone else is the player they prefer at the position, maybe they can. There's just so many
2: rankings th- that have him. Number one oh, it's and not, not even close. close. Yeah,
0: it's not even it,
2: close. And and you may and, you may. But have I'm a...
0: just saying, I don't know how they're going to conclude, and I don't know what the relationship they're going to have. What kind of mm-hmm. you know? You would think that the kid is desperate to get into the league and and you know start the clock on his uh, contract and and go to a team that looks like it's on the rise, and the Bears are selling that, but you don't know. It, let's just say he, you know, they have a bad, they have a bad connection, and they don't feel like he's the guy. I, I, I don't know how that would happen, but you know, he's a very emotional kid. He might yeah. say something they don't like. That's I, true. I'm just those, those things I'm are all possible. To, I'm trying to wait you, to see what happens.
2: You're leaving yourself some wiggle room. That's me. Three, one, two. I like you, to you wiggle. Are, you're a wiggler. Um, you're kind of wiggly. You're, you're wiggly. Yeah, uh, and that, you know, that's understandable. I live in a
0: pineapple under the sea. <laughs>
2: Three one two texter Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player available. Well, fair enough. He may have a higher score, but you know what I mean. In terms of yeah, no, you're going, you're going to go after right. the quarterback if he's uh, there to if he's there for the taking. You're not going to pass up on that. What did you think of what Dave said about the lasting impact this could have on the Lions? Do you think that's a real thing? Do you think that's something that? Well, I,
0: I got to tell you, I thought that that Dan Campbell. On uh, the not, after losing that game, the way they lost it, up seventeen points, you know, shut out after that until the the last of the game, to to lose in that fashion, uh, you know. Listen, they got a lot of talent, and I think that they do a good job procuring talent. I'll be I'll be curious to see what they do. You know, clearly they um they have a lot of needs. Clearly, they got to start with the secondary. Don't you agree? Yeah, but. You know, at some point, you better get a pass rusher to help Hutchinson, who was double-teamed the entire game. Uh, you got to have somebody who can win one-on-one on the other side, and he'll be 10 times – better. he had 11 and a half sacks as a rookie, which is awesome.
2: And, and when you get that pass rusher, you will make your secondary better. I think that's a higher priority for them.
0: I, I, but I'm saying they also – you know, they got a lot of guys heading to free agency, yep. and they need corners. They probably need – I mean, I, I've, I would recommend – they sign one on the free agent market, and then they draft one. And, and I don't know if, I, I don't know if, if uh, that's the priority at that spot in the draft. I don't know who's available you- or whatever, but you better address your pass rush uh, on, uh, and, and help your corners. I do wonder if the news on
2: Monday that Jared Goff could be in line for a new contract in the offseason, long-term commitment to him. Is that good or bad news from the Bears' perspective? Do you want Jared Goff in Detroit over the long haul? Did it was this season one of those ones that was a bounce back year, very strong performance, but do you think that he could they get better you know,
0: down the road with than, he, than they have with Goff? He's still relatively young. I don't think they have a choice. I think they got to bring him back. I don't know. How, how much are you can pay him? Well, that's this is these are all <laughs> good questions. I, I mean, personally, I don't think he's a top 10 And I personally don't think that there is – how do you put it? I think he's helped a lot by some of the players around him. In other words, I like their offensive line. You know, Frank Ragnow's a great player. Penny Sewell's a great player. I think that they've got some decent receivers. Um, Is he the best quarterback in the division? Sam Laporta?
2: No. Who is? Jordan Love. Okay. Love one, Goff two, Cousins three? There's yeah. Cousins coming back? No. Cousins got to be higher than that, doesn't he?
0: Um, Is he coming back?
2: If he goes back to
0: the Vikings, how would you rank him? Curious. Yeah, I, I would have to think about that for more than 30 seconds. Okay, I, I know. I, I, I think that – Wiggly? I think I, – I'm afraid that Jordan Love might be – I know. A good player. That's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. He could be
2: first. Cousins could be second. Goff could be third. And whoever the Bears have is fourth right now.
0: Right. If it's a rookie or if it's Justin Fields. Right now.
2: To be continued. Okay. Let's talk to Uh, Florio. Now
0: you've now you've stopped me a little bit. No problem, Wiggly. All right. (laughs) Let's talk to Mike. Florio next, Mr. Pro Football Talk will join (laughs) us on Chicago Sports Radio six seven of the score.
1: Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com/slashProFootballTalk. Hey, my day! Hey, my day. Day, day! We get better, better.
0: We better, up. We'll up. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on six seventy The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. We love our chance to talk to Mike Florio. And we got some breaking news about the Bears. They have hired a wide receivers coach. Chris Beatty is the new wide receivers coach. Uh, Beatty coached DJ Moore in Maryland for a year back in the day. Well, that's so good, that's, DJ Moore. Yeah, nice, nice. Thing. I wonder how
2: uh, he played a role in this process. And
0: uh, and we love our chance to talk to Mike Florio. He joins us now on the Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local Nine, Chicago's original powerhouse. Since 1892, Michael, good morning. How are you? What's up, guys? Doing great. How are you? Doing well. You know, we're kind of weighing all this stuff as we look at uh, where the Bears are at, right? We see the Super Bowl through the prism of, you know, do do you use the number one pick to try to get someone as good as Patrick Mahomes? Because, gosh, he's good. Or do you say, well, all you need is if the coach does his job right, any quarterback fits the system and you can just trade down, collect a bunch of all pros, and uh, and maybe get a quarterback to to stick in the middle of that. Maybe Justin Fields, with more around him, could be uh, a a better version of uh, of Zach, of uh, Brock Purdy. What what do you think?
3: Well, either one potentially works if you have the right players, and if you're looking at a guy who's going to be a generational can't-miss, Hall of Fame, best-ever talent, you take that guy and you never look back. The problem is no one knows who's going to become the generational talent. Nine teams passed on Patrick Mahomes. Chris Sims and I were talking about this today. Andy Reid believed Mahomes was gonna be great. Sean Payton believed Mahomes was gonna be great and almost took him. If the Chiefs don't move to 10, the Saints, I believe, take Mahomes at 11 and say, see you later to Drew Brees sooner than they did. There were a couple of others that had an inkling Mahomes was going to be great, but the Bears didn't. The Browns <laughs> didn't. The 49ers <laughs> didn't even give him a second look. They were waiting for Kirk Cousins a year later. So it's easy to have the conversation philosophically. It's harder to get the guy. If you know Caleb Williams or even Drake May is going to be Mahomes like no brainer but nobody knows that and nobody will know that I think it's always better especially a team that has been waiting coming up on 40 years to win a Super Bowl since the 85 team did it it's better and it's safer and it's smarter to maximize your players move out of that first pick get as many draft picks as you can maybe you get lucky next year and The first round pick from the team that moves up gives you the first overall pick again. So (laughs) that continues to be my belief, because there's no way of knowing with any degree of certainty where the greats are going to come from. Mahomes was 10th. Brady was 199th. You never know how many of the all-time greats were the first overall pick. Peyton Manning, John Elway, there's a number one overall pick every year, and they rarely become all-time greats.
2: All right, Mike, coming out of Sunday's NFC Championship game, Dan Campbell, passionate guy, true to his personality, or overmatched coach, could not meet the moment aggressive to a fault. Which would way would you lean?
3: Aggressive to a fault. I think that's the issue. The metaphor I tried to come up with yesterday, and it's the best I could do due to my impaired brain, but you've got to have a boxing ring, and then you've got to have a table with a chess board on it. And you've got to know when it's time to climb out of the boxing ring and go play chess. By the second half, up 24-7, and then 24-10, after the 49ers drove down, drive petered out at the Detroit 25, fourth and eight, kicked the field goal, made it 24-10. When you are in position after that, fourth and two from the 28 of the San Francisco 49ers, When you're in a position to put a two-score game back to a three-score game with seven minutes left in the third quarter, 22 minutes left in the game, you say yes to that. You don't say no to that. You don't say, I'm going to continue to be aggressive because I've always been aggressive and I always am aggressive. I think it's a mistake to cling to your identity as an NFL team. College team, yes, because your players may be good enough, it doesn't matter. When you are always the same thing at the NFL level, somebody's going to use it against you at some point. Somebody's going to understand this is what they do. And I can't help but wonder whether at some level Kyle Shanahan opted for the field goal when he desperately needed a touchdown because he just instinctively recognized. Maybe they'll give us one. We know how they are. We know they're aggressive. Maybe they'll open the door for us. And for everything that happened, and there was so much that happened during that game, the door opened to the 49ers stealing it when Dan Campbell went for it on fourth and two or three from the 28 up 24, 10 gave the ball back to the 49ers. Next thing you know, ball bounces off face mask. Brandon Ayuk makes a Lynn Swan catch from Super Bowl 10. Then there's a fumble, then it's tied. And then that's it for the Detroit lions.
0: Mike, we, we discovered yesterday that Charles Omena who will not be able to play in the game. He, with the big strip sack, uh, in, the, uh, in the championship game, will uh, we'll have to sit out the, uh, the Super Bowl because he has an ACL injury. Um, you know, obviously a total drag to hear that for the player, for the team, but I'm wondering, you know, are we going to hear anything about Christian McCaffrey? He took a really bad fall in that game kind of landed on his head. They were working on his neck a little bit. I listen, he'll be on the field and he'll score a touchdown and everything, but that looked pretty awful. It was a weird
3: visual to see somebody pressing two hands down, almost like with the CPR, yeah. the, the one hand over the other on the back of McCaffrey's shoulder pads, like, what is that going to do to whatever's going on inside of his body, pressing on his shoulder pads? But regardless, they're the trained professionals. Unfortunately, I'm not. Um, but yeah, he'll be fine. I, now, there's no obligation yet to disclose injuries. They do a weird series of injury reports Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the week before the week of Super Bowl, just because that's what they always do. That's when they have an obligation to disclose if he is injured. Yesterday, Kyle Shanahan mentioned. George Kittle is being day-to-day with a toe and cornerback Ambry Thomas day-to-day with an ankle. Didn't mention McCaffrey. McCaffrey said he's fine even though he exited the game early. But we'll see. But you're right. He came down awkwardly. May have had a stinger. May have had something. But this guy finds a way to play through anything mm-hmm. and everything. He's playing the most violent physical position in the game. And he always answers the bell. And he's not going to miss his first shot at the Super Bowl. That's for sure.
2: Quickly, Mike. So, players and staff are going to be staying 35 minutes from the strip in Vegas. And the NFL updated the gambling policy to ban all forms of gambling for Super Bowl participants no sports betting, no casino games, nothing at all. How are they going to enforce that? And how realistic is that?
3: Well, I think it's up to the teams to make sure that the players are secured. And I don't know how much time they have to themselves to go do whatever they want to do, but you just got to make it clear to your guys what's riding on it. They can always come back and casino gamble after the season if they want to. Now, the sports book thing, it's a weird... The whole thing is weird. The NFL's got a conference call coming up later today about sports gambling and their efforts to encourage responsible wagering. The NFL has created this minefield that it's just kind of blissfully ignorant while it's standing in the middle of it. The NFL believes that the Supreme Court decision for May of 2018 forced it to embrace legalized gambling. It didn't. It could continue to hate it as much as it hated it before the Supreme Court opened the floodgates for as many states as desire to have legalized gambling. The NFL's trying to thread this needle of stuff in their pockets with as many dollars as possible from FanDuel and DraftKings and BetMGM and this one and that one while also moralizing to the players under this weird umbrella of integrity of the game. Doing these deals undermines the integrity of the game, but they don't worry about that because there's too much money to be made. The whole thing, to me, is an awkward, confusing mess. It is rife with this hypocrisy, and we're all going to Vegas next week and nobody's going to care.
0: <laughs> well put. You're the best, Mike. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yep. <laughs> that is my <laughs> Oreo. Hilarious. Exactly right. Absolutely right. All right, we're going to bring in Jared Payton. We'll talk to him about what we witnessed and what we expect. We'll do that next. Mullion Hall on the score.